Live from the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Hour number two underway for a Monday afternoon. A little bit of a short week for me from a sports huddle standpoint. Busy week otherwise, uh, but no show tomorrow or Wednesday. I'll be out of town with Richmond basketball at Boston College on Wednesday night. I think this is the completion of a two-for-one or a tournament thing that added a home game or something like that. Uh, But it's been kind of hanging out there for both teams for several years now that this game needed to get played. Spiders are certainly happy uh, that it is, and they would have a shot in this one. As I said earlier, uh, first uh, really test for the Spiders. They took care of business and looked good doing it in the first two games against VMI and Siena. And now they'll play a Boston College team that I I think is beatable. I watched a little bit of their game against the Citadel down there in Charleston. They went down there because uh, their their head coach – Dan Earl is uh, coached at college at Charleston, brought him back to the area, and they played the Citadel, and they won by like four points, something like that. So anyway, 6.30 airtime on Wednesday, 7 o'clock tip for the Spiders and Boston College. And, yes, Richmond has looked good. Um, Actually took in a little bit of the women's game at the Robbins Center yesterday, and uh, several fans came up to me just almost giddy at how well they thought the men's team had played. The women's team played great yesterday too, by the way. But just in having the opportunity to sit in the stands and converse, with some people yesterday afternoon really feeling good about what they saw from the Spiders in the first two games. As we said, a little bit more of a test coming on Wednesday night when they play at Boston College. And really the next three games are are in that window because they go to Daytona Beach. We go to Daytona Beach. Very happy that the Spiders' in-season tournament this year goes south instead of uh, going north. A- anyway, they will play Colorado, which is actually ranked this week, um, in the latest college basketball poll. And again, very early for sure. It's kind of hard to tell. But Colorado's 25th in the AP poll, so that becomes an even bigger test. And then after that, would get either Florida State or UNLV. That's uh, next Monday and next Tuesday, right before Thanksgiving. So uh, learn a little bit more about this Richmond team after the next few games as they hit the road for the first time um, this season. All right, about 5.05 on the sports huddle. 804-327-0888 will get you on the air with us. Uh, was looking back at a few of the texts because that's the same number, uh, 327-0888. I haven't really touched on this yet, and I'll go to uh, my guy Tribe Bill here uh, because he, he texted me. You know, he, he likes the Spiders, but he loves his Tribe, and obviously, well, he should. I uh, said, Bob, this will be a tough game for me. Even if the Tribe wins at 7-4, and four, they don't make the playoffs. That's true. Have to root for my team. Yes, you do. That's true, too. But secretly hope the Spiders pull it out at 8-3. and three. They should be in. I would agree they should be in, but it's going to be a sleepless Saturday night. I don't know if you saw this or not, but the CAA has a chance for a three-way tie for first place. There are four teams currently tied. Two of them are playing each other next week, so one will drop down a game. But it looks like, if you look at the national rankings, Villanova, Delaware, and Albany are locks to get in there. And the Spiders would be the fourth team. They'd be 8-3 and three and 7-1. And, and you would think that would be good enough 
to get them in. It just depends on what else is happening, you know, across the country at, at the FCS level. And maybe we don't follow some of those conferences as closely as A, we should, or, or B, that we do during the course of the year. And the CAA actually sent out a relatively long, complicated list of the tiebreakers with the three teams, if they're all tied for first, or what happens if it's just two of them, because for the most part they haven't played each other, because the CAA has too many football teams at 15 and going to 16 next year, and you don't get games like Villanova-Richmond, Delaware-Richmond, William & Mary-Delaware, William & Mary-Villanova, that kind of thing. Uh, There's only one scenario in which the Spiders can be the automatic qualifier from the CAA. Uh, and I'll get to the phone here in just a moment. Delaware and Richmond, if they tie for first, the Spiders would get the nod there because you go down the list to common opponent, and the next best common opponent would be Elon. And the Spiders took care of business against Elon this past week, whereas Delaware lost to Elon the week before. Any of the other tiebreakers would go to either Albany, Delaware, or Villanova. And the big differential is actually point differential. If there's no head-to-head meeting, if common opponent record is all the same, or if there is no common opponent, the next tiebreaker, um, think about this one for a minute, chew on it, point differential in conference games with a 21-point maximum per game differential, meaning you want to solidly beat people, but they're not going to give you extra credit for beating up on the worst teams in the league by 40 points. The most you can get credit for is a 21-point differential. Uh, Villanova's at plus 96, Albany's at plus 92, and the Spiders are at plus 58. So they're not going to win the point differential in any of those three-way ties. And doesn't matter with Delaware because if it was Delaware, Richmond would win um, that tiebreaker. So it could be a little bit dicey. Uh, certainly the CAA has been a conference in its heyday in which it has gotten four teams in. I think there may have even been one or two scenarios where they've gotten five teams into the 2014 field, but you would hope they would get four even because I think the other three, at least in people I've talked with, are probably locks to be in. And you got to hope that at eight and three and seven and one, Richmond would be in as well. I think you make a very strong argument for the Spiders. It would mean a win at William and Mary, and the season didn't turn out as quite as good for William and Mary. But that's still a solid team. They would win a game on the road. They would have won six at the end of the season. Uh, they're playing their best football of the year. Uh, they were a playoff team a season ago. I think there's a lot of reasons that that would happen. But it could be a little dicey. Uh, but the first thing's first. got to win that game on Saturday in Williamsburg. So excited about that. And we already have some teams that are already in playoffs because at the Division Three level, you got Randolph-Macon and Christopher Newport, and they're playing each other. Unfortunately, we'll lose one of our uh, state teams right there on the first weekend, but it certainly makes sense from a geographical and travel standpoint to match those teams. And Christopher Newport's always had solid football, so they'll be at uh, Dayfield and Ashland this coming weekend against Randolph-Macon and then Virginia Union received a bid. Kind of weird in the D- Division Two level. There's no automatic bids, no matter how good you are. If you win a conference championship like Union did over State um, to win the CI uh, over Fayetteville State to win the CIAA, you still got to wait to hear your name called, and they did. So Union's back in the postseason. That's really cool, and we'll see what happens at the FCS level 
And then, of course, at the FBS level, uh, Liberty and, and James Madison and maybe a Virginia Tech, if it can uh, win one of these last two games, would be would be going bowling as well. Let's go to the phones before we really get it going in the 5 o'clock hour. Reggie, how was your weekend, my friend? Reggie, hello. Bob, okay. what's going on, young man? How you doing? You all right there? Well, yeah. Uh, okay, hang on. Are you hearing something in your ear other than me? I will uh, ask Lewis to check the buttons there and make sure you're not hearing our network programming down the line. How about now, Reggie? Oh, we lost him. All right. Well, Reggie will try back. He knows he knows the drill for sure. So he'll, he'll get back with us. I'll tell you what. Let's move on. We'll stay on time uh, today. And let's get to um, the our verbal table of contents for our 5 o'clock hour of the Sports Hour. <laughs> Afternoon's top sports stories. I'm sure he'll be fascinated by all the uh, stories you have to tell. This is today's Drive Home Headlines. Drive Home Headlines brought to you by James River Air. If you're not happy with your heating and cooling system, give James River Air a call for a free in-home consultation. Online, check them out at jamesriverair.com. All right, James Madison really topping our headlines. Football's up to number 18 in the latest AP poll, and then basketball for the first time ever is in the top 25. The Dukes coming in at number 24 after their 3-0 and week this past week. So kudos to JMU. Of course, football dominating win over Connecticut remains unbeaten. They get App State at home this weekend and college game day back in Harrisonburg for the third time ahead of that game against Appalachian State. Get into some college basketball tonight and moving forward um, this week to include Radford in town on Wednesday night against VCU. Rick Watson, the voice of the Highlanders, joins us here at the bottom of the hour since I don't have a show tomorrow or Wednesday. Figured we'd try and do that preview with him today because they've also got JMU at the end of the week. So we'll catch up with Rick here in just a little bit. All right, let's try and get to Reggie. Let's catch up with him before we get to the uh, the, the break here a little bit after 10 after 5 or so. How about now, Reggie? How we doing? Yes, sir. No problem at all. Loud and clear, bumper to bumper, wall to wall. But, Bob, really, when you guys lost to Hampton, that was more damaging than losing to uh, Morgan State, wasn't it? Because it was a league game, right? Yes, I think you could look at that both ways. But, yes, if they had beaten Hampton, they would already, you know, have at least a share of the conference title. So, yes, that's correct. On the other hand, if they would have just beaten Morgan State, You'd already have eight wins, and you think eight would be a magic number to get you in. So uh, those were two tough losses for this. But hopefully they haven't spent as much time uh, worrying about those two losses as maybe the rest <laughs> of us have. And it's understandable, right? Um, it's human nature. Fans are doing it. Media is doing it. Those are two games that you, you really – and here's what I would say where I think Morgan State probably bothers me a little bit more. Uh, that That game was on the schedule for a reason. Let's be honest. All due respect to yeah, Morgan State, yeah, yeah. right? That well, that's I'll at least you know. at least Hampton is a conference game. That's a conference opponent. You would think in that in that kind of, any given day, you know, you can win as a conference yeah, opponent. So yeah. that that. But anyway, they're both tough losses for the Spiders, and hopefully they won't come back to bite them here if they beat William and Mary on Saturday. When they beat William and Mary right. on Saturday. 
I'm going to let you know that Coach Wilson and Morgan State is in the running for not only um, if they beat Howard this week, they're being the running for the Celebration Bowl, which is the HBU National yeah, Championship. They are. And the, the, the inside track for the MEAC. And truthfully, Reggie, the MEAC could be that conference that's going to turn the FCS playoffs upside down. Because if, if, North, <laughs> if North Carolina Central doesn't get the auto bid and go to the Celebration Bowl, they will certainly be an FCS playoff team, a uh, really legitimate FCS playoff team, as a matter of fact. Yeah. And they, they would take up one of those spots. If NC Central wins the MEAC, I don't think any of those other teams are going to the FCS playoffs. No, no. That's why unfortunately Union was the only team to come out of the CIAA because yep. they really don't respect the CIAA for the strength of schedule. And I can tell you, Coach Hayes of Fairville was a little livid. The question was asked, you've been here six times in a row, Coach. Uh, what do you think about how your team perform? And he said pretty much, look, I don't care if we've been here seven or eight times. we still going to keep coming back. And it was a little <laughs> undercurrent with that game that Union lost in the monsoon. But some of the Fairville guys were talking with it trash and you know about that game so you had a little bit of chip on their shoulder this yep. past saturday at the game so it, yep. was, it was should we say tail kicking time and a little payback time for the young men on lombardi street yeah good <laughs> for them good for the panthers i like that yes sir I do. Yep. yes sir all right good stuff reg all right young man Thank thanks you, sir. talk to you again during the week thank you reggie and um I will mention that I'll be back on Thursday with Sean Robertson. He is scheduled to be back with us this week. Couldn't do it last week because he was out doing a game. Um, so I carried the whole Thursday in the studio, and he will be there on Thursday. We had a big show. I'll mention this. Why not? Um, uh, Sean Casey is going to join us Thursday via phone, but he will be here in Richmond. Uh, the the mayor of, of Major League Baseball, Sean Casey, uh, he's got his mayor's office podcast, and was the hitting coach of the New York Yankees for the second half of the season. Opted not to do that again next year. But he is the featured speaker at the Richmond Flying Squirrels Hot Stove League event on Thursday night. So looking forward to catching up with him. He'll be with us in the 4 o'clock hour on Thursday before he goes over for that appearance. And then Dennis Bickmeyer is going to join us on Thursday as well with some special announcements about our annual Cheer and Gear event. So love having Dennis on. We'll get an update on how things are going up there with the uh, Sports and Events Center up there at uh, Virginia Center and much more. So we got a lot going on on Thursday, and Sean and I will be in the in the studio. All right, about a quarter after five, get a break in here, come back with some more talk, and then Rick Watson, play-by-play voice of Radford, joins us at 5.30. We preview their week against VCU and JMU and what he's thinking of their team at the start of the season. Their schedule is a really interesting one. Uh, at some, It is wildly up and down. There are some lower-level teams on that schedule, and then there are some mighty upper-level teams on that schedule for Radford. So Rick will help us sort all that out at the bottom of the hour. Time out now, about 516. Thanks for locking in with us this afternoon on 1061 ESPN. Did you know that you can find the best radio station on your dial in HD? Well, you can. Catch us on your HD dial at 103.7 HD2. Just another place to find your home for sports in the capital city. ESPN Richmond. Invigorating the... On the huddle on a Monday afternoon, Monday night football tonight on the heels of a weird kind of Sunday, I must say, 
in the National Football League. I mentioned with Matt in the first hour that there were five games that ended with game-winning field goals literally on the last play of the game, including, for the Commanders fans out there, unfortunately, Seattle knocking off Washington, as I said, in the 4 o'clock hour. Again, thought Washington was the better team, somehow found a way to lose. And I thought Sam Howell was great. I think Brian Robinson is a as a dominating offensive player. Uh, but they've, they've just got to figure out ways to – Use both of them even more and get Sam Howe more experience and get him better and get some other pieces into the equation there and then figure out something defensive. That's a long list at this point in the season, but but they're close to being, you know, better than they are. But again, they're four and six. Unfortunately for the Commanders, this is typical. I've said it a lot of times. Don't pick them to be anything different than eight and nine or nine and eight until they prove that they're, you know, eleven and six one year then maybe you can start to hang your hat on them a little bit but not to this point in the season there's just too many variables with them and i still think we're now in a lame duck situation where ron rivera will not be back as commander's head coach it would take a real turnaround in the second half of the season now and maybe even at least a win in the postseason to keep him going i just think there are there are too many things wrong with the commanders at this point, that they're not going to want a new voice in there, particularly the new ownership group, uh, certainly wouldn't. The one thing I learned yesterday, and I guess every fan le- of, of their team learns this during the year, it's just not as exciting when your team doesn't play. You know, not only not watching your team's game, but just your feeling as you watch other games surrounding your team. Like if you play it at 4 o'clock, you know, you, you watch those 1 o'clock games with a little bit of anticipation of the 4 o'clock games. If you play at 1 and you win, you're, you're really into the later games, right? Uh, if you lose, maybe not so much, but at least you still have a feeling one way or the other. Being an Eagles fan, it was just a, a very um, kind of awkward quiet to the games. And, I, and look, look, the games weren't necessarily the best played games, but they were close and they were competitive yesterday. Uh, you know, the game that shocked me probably more than any other was the Ravens game against Cleveland. Uh, they had, what, a two-touchdown lead, and the Browns came all the way back to win that game. And that division is turning out to be wild, the AFC North. So I, the Ravens losing really shocked me. Uh, the Steelers have really plowed through this thing. Uh, they haven't been great by any stretch of imagination, and they've struggled, and yet they find what Mike Tomlin just finds ways to win games. He, I mean, I, he's never had a losing season as the Steelers head coach. Look, they've been outscored this year, and they're six and three. Uh, and then the Bengals did not look particularly good yesterday. And here come the Houston Texans. C.J. Stroud is turning out to be the Player of the Year. And again, Houston's now over five hundred, and kind of opposite the AFC North. The South is just. Eh mediocre along the way um jacksonville which didn't look good uh houston then wins at five and four and then you got indianapolis and tennessee both either 500 or below 500 but keep an eye on that afc north and and maybe even the east as well i think at the top of the hour on the sports center talked about the bills being underperforming and they certainly have been they've been on the outside looking in right now at five and four in that in that AFC East, uh, Dallas looked good again yesterday. They've been they've been steamrolling people. They have, uh, I think, the biggest or second biggest point differential in the NFC at the moment. I think maybe only the 49ers are more dominant right now than than the Cowboys, but they're six and three 
Eagles get back at it next week against the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. Kansas City was also off this past weekend. Uh, Dallas, as I said, looked dominant. Detroit uh, found another way to win. Uh, their defense didn't really show up, but offensively they put 41 on the board and a game-winning field goal uh, to beat the Chargers, and they're now 7-2. and two. And don't look now, but here come the Minnesota Vikings again. That will be a great story if they stay in this thing and they wind up getting to the postseason even without Kirk Cousins. Uh, they're up to 6-4 and four now, and they won again uh, yesterday. So I think there were some exciting games yesterday, but I think that's the lesson I learned. When your team doesn't play, you don't quite watch it as passionately, perhaps, as you would, would on a normal uh, Sunday or, or, or Monday night situation. Um, okay, uh, let's get back to some college basketball. You know I love talking college hoops. And uh, looked at the schedule this week and saw that Radford was playing both VCU and James Madison. Of course, the JMU game would always be a good one. Those two teams uh, located so close to each other. And the game will be in Harrisonburg. It's actually part of the uh, in-season tournament that both of those teams are going to in Cancun. So there's an on-campus game as part of that before they go and enjoy some fun in the sun down there in Mexico. Uh, so they play Friday in Harrisonburg, and then before that, Radford's at VCU on Wednesday night. So I thought it would be a good opportunity to get some perspective from the Radford side of things. Rick Watson joins us occasionally during the college basketball season, and glad he's going to be able to do that with us today. He'll join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk about their start, Radford's schedule. They actually have a fairly experienced team on the floor this year and how that might match up in the games against VCU and nationally ranked JMU this week. Rick Watson, voice of the Highlanders, next on the Sports Huddle. Just past 5.30 on the Sports Huddle. Take you up to 6 o'clock this evening. Bob Black back with you. Lewis producing this afternoon. Getting into more college basketball talk this season. Now a week into the books. We move into week number two. And it's a big one for the Radford Highlanders. They'll be in town Wednesday night to take on the VCU Rams. And then a Friday night date in Harrisonburg against the nationally ranked James Madison Dukes. Radford this season so far is off to a 2-1 and one start. Really interesting start to their schedule let's talk about all of that with the voice of the highlanders great to reconnect for the first time this hoop season with our good friend rick watson hello rick how are you hey bob i'm doing great man how are you my friend it's been too doing, long yeah way too long we take the summers off between our conversations and now we got to get back at it and we'll we'll try and do it a little bit more of a regular basis because love talking with you and certainly college basketball uh what do you make of this radford team a fairly experienced squad you know maybe relatively speaking to what college basketball is looking like right now and and the the start that you guys have had rick your experience of going to carolina and then the win you had over marshall uh, up there at the greenbrier yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, we do have this year uh, quite a nice blend of returning experienced players, and I think Coach Nichols and his staff have done a great job of embracing the portal, you know, and you have to do that nowadays, of course, in college athletics, and finding guys that not only are good basketball players but fit the university and the athletic department and the mindset there. So, uh, yeah, the Carolina game, you know, they, they rallied in the first half and had the lead for a little while and had it as a one-point game with about 11 minutes to go. And then the Greenbrier was such a unique experience for these guys to go up and play in that ballroom. It was a little strange, but uh, they played in small gyms before. You know, around the Big South, we have 
similar type of capacity and to get the game-winning shot and then that carried through uh, into Sunday. And now, you know, a big week coming up because uh, this is the, the week that I think uh, the coaches and many of our fans have looked at as kind of being that, okay, let's just see where things could be headed here before Thanksgiving. What type of team is this, uh, Rick? What, what's kind of the signature, the style uh, of the way Coach Nichols wants to play? Well, he's always want to. He's always going to want to pressure you. He's going to keep the game fast. He wants to play fast. He wants his guys to understand exactly what they're supposed to do in terms of when a made basket happens. What's going to happen with the tempo? He wants his guards to be able to take command out there. And the biggest thing for him, Bob, as you know, working with coaches, is the communication on the floor. And that's the thing that I think he really has been pleased with through the first three games, the way these guys have not only talked to one another but to the coaches and so forth about what's going on. But he's going to want to make sure that he's going to man you up defensively, keep that pressure on. He'll be from, you know, time to time he might sit back in his zone depending how the game is going. But he's a pressurized coach on both ends of the floor. This is, as you said, a, a really intriguing week coming up, and it probably was when the games were scheduled even a year ago before so much of what has happened actually happened. What about the preparation for a VCU team that really doesn't look very much like VCU teams of the past because of the coaching change and Ryan Odom doing things a little bit differently? It's still the Siegel Center. You're still coming on the road. They still have talented players, but it's going to be a different style of game. It definitely is. The whole personality of that program is going under a change, which is you know, going to happen anytime you bring in a new coach. But we all know Coach Odom's had success wherever he has gone. He brought a lot of those players with him from his previous stop. And you're right, it's going to take a while for them to get acclimated and take the fans a while to get acclimated from all the, you know, the intensity, the, quote, 40 minutes of hell they wanted to provide. And they did so with constant pressure defensively and being a physical just a very physical half-court team. Not that way anymore. But as you say, when you're on the road and you're in-state, you're going to the Siegel Center, regardless of the style, whenever you're playing VCU and those standards, you know it's going to be a tough night. And then, Rick, as I said uh, before the break, uh, James Madison's always a great game for you guys, obviously the proximity of the two schools. And now you get even more attention on this one because of the week that the, uh, the Dukes had. Pretty remarkable what they did that first week of the season, right? Yeah, no doubt. And now they're showing up ranked in the AP top yeah. 25 <laughs> just in time for the Radford game. And they've got, I think, game day is going to be down there for football this weekend. So a lot going on in Harrisonburg, no doubt. And as you say, throughout the last five or six matchups with the Dukes, the games have all been very, very close until the final couple of minutes. And uh, I know Radford's looking for that type of game again on Friday night. And uh, that is actually the, the on-campus game of your in-season tournament where you're heading after that, right, to the uh, to Cancun, to Mexico, to the Cancun Challenge, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's the first game. You're right. It's uh, at the host school, James Madison. There's two different divisions out there at, uh, in Mexico. First time Radford's played in Cancun, and Islanders will open up against Morgan State. And depending on how that goes, on the other side of the bracket, they'll get uh, either northern Colorado or Chicago State. So, it's an exciting time. The team's going to be spending Thanksgiving together in a pretty warm environment here in November. So that makes everybody happy who's going on that trip. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we've happened to done that a couple times in the past. And you mentioned playing in the ballroom at the Greenbrier. That, I think, is going to prepare you for what you're going to see in Cancun. <laughs> because if the venue's the same, and it may have changed since the time I was there, it's another kind of ballroom-style setup for basketball. It is different, isn't it, Rick? Yeah, it really is, you know, and 
and you've been there in those places. And for instance, uh, we, the Radford radio crew and, and the Marshall radio crew, we were stuck in an end zone. So we didn't have the half court view and you're blocked by the basket stanchion. So you had to just do the best you could. And you understand it's for a bigger thing, right? They're trying to promote uh, that tournament, what they're going to try to do up there at the Greenbrier. And it was an honor, I think, for our program to be invited to that and be the one school that Marshall wanted to have up there to kind of kick the whole thing off. But yeah, you just kind of adapt. And, and that's something else that Coach Nichols has talked about, Bob. He, he wants this team to experience lots of different things. He thinks because they're such a veteran group, they can handle it all with the Japan trip back in August and now this trip hmm. coming up and playing at the Greenbrier. I mean, this team's going to be playing in a lot of different environments. He thinks that's going to be beneficial as we get later on, not only in the non-conference here in December, but when the Big South schedule kicks in. Yeah, I want to get your thoughts, early thoughts on the Big South this year. But they took a summertime trip to Japan. Is that what I'm hearing from you? That's pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah, they played They played three games over there and uh, lost the championship game and uh, ended up finishing in third. So this is a team that uh, got some experience there with some guys. they um able to kind of, if you will, mesh in all the new players from the portal with the experienced team. And that was really, you have to get along or, you know, it's a long trip not to get along. You're a long way from home. And I think it was very constructive by the coaching staff, and I think it's paid immediate dividends with these guys and how well they get along on and off the floor. You know, that's one of the arguments, Rick, that I make when we have all these conversations about transfer portal and NIL and how do we take care of the players and all of this. Your guys are going through some experiences that they would never, ever get, most of us would never, ever get in a lifetime. To be able to go over to Japan, see the culture over there, play the game they love, come back here, do the same thing, and get to go to Mexico for a couple of games. And even, as you said, the stop at the Greenbrier at a great resort like that, um, this is this could shape up to be an amazing year for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. The educational part of that alone is something that these kids probably never dreamed they would have an opportunity to experience. And that's something that I'm really happy about with coach Nichols he sees the greater good outside of basketball you know he tells the guys you know this game can take you all around the world if you treat it with respect and then of course he equates that with coming in every day and practicing to get better every day so yeah there's no doubt Bob and that's that's the college experience those are things that you're not going to learn in the classroom or just playing basketball but it's those opportunities that basketball has given them and, you know, on the court as well, right? Because uh, as you talked about, you've already played North Carolina. You got West Virginia coming. You got Clemson coming. You got some other games on there that, you know, are on the schedule for other reasons that hopefully you can you can win and hopefully you can pull these out as well. But to have that experience to play those kind of teams, I think also will pay dividends down the road as our discussion turns to the Big South. Oh, no question. I mean, as you know, it just it gives such a boost to recruiting kids pay attention to the schedules and they want to talk to these coaches and why you schedule those games and you give kids a chance to play uh, in those environments and for instance the Radford kids you know, none of them seemed intimidated about playing in the Smith Center but they were all excited you know there's a difference in terms of going in there and thinking wow here's you know maybe 15 17,000 people as opposed to just saying we're looking forward to this opportunity and I think they were able in their own minds and with the way they reacted in the game it was the latter. So, yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think these kids have embraced it and they understand exactly why the schedule is modeled the way it is. Finishing up with Rick Watson, voice of the Radford Highlanders, talking some college hoops on the sports huddle. So let's finish up by peeking ahead, Rick, to, to the Big South. I know you're excited about this. Is this going to be a UNC Asheville-Radford uh, run to the finish? What do you think? 
Well, it could be, but, you know, in conference play, every time you have an idea of how it may look, especially in our league, it ends up being topsy-turvy. I mean, there are five or six teams that are very close in terms of their talent level and experience level coming back and what they've done in the portal. You know, you can never count out a team like Gardner-Webb, certainly Longwood. Um, Winthrop is going to be strong, but, you know, Asheville has gotten the – deservedly so. You know, they have the player of the year, and they also are the defending champs, so they've gotten the uh, – the attention in the preseason, Radford was picked second right behind them, but it's always going to be a dogfight because, especially in smaller conferences, these coaches know each other so well. There are no secrets, and that's why every game, you know, I know it sounds like a cliche, but every game is a one to two point game for a reason. That's because it's conference play. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. The non-conference schedule gives you some opportunity for some big-time wins, and then you'll get into conference play. I think it's going to be a lot of fun um, for you guys. What what else are the uh, hot topics out there in the New River Valley these days, Rick? The hot topics in the New River Valley. Well, along with basketball season going on, I mean, we've got uh, uh, everybody is looking forward to, well, Thanksgiving coming up. Both of our teams, matter of fact, our women's mm-hmm. team is going to be taking a trip to Puerto Rico. So both of our teams are wow. going to be traveling. Thanksgiving week. So, yeah, that's a rarity. I think it's the first time ever they've been gone overseas together um, like this during the holidays. So I know we're very happy about that at Radford that both the men's and women's teams get to have the same experience. Yeah, that is awesome. That is really good. Well, enjoy it, and let's catch up as the season rolls along. We'd love to get your perspective on how the Highlanders are doing. And uh, safe travels here to the to the capital city on Wednesday, and, and good luck against VCU and then JMU on Friday. All right. Thanks a lot, Bob. Great to talk with you, man. Thanks for having me. Go Highlanders. There you go. Thank you, Rick. There goes Rick Watson, voice of the Radford Highlanders. Yeah, that's a an, an really intriguing schedule that they've put together there with you know some of the big-name school, and, of course, there's some money involved in that. I'm sure Radford's getting a nice payday for some of these games, like um, North Carolina and West Virginia and Clemson, but it does give them an opportunity to really size up against a, a higher-level of uh, college basketball so keep an eye on them they're in town as we said wednesday night against vcu and then friday at james madison i wonder how much they'll run into the college game day stuff on friday evening and then that thing on saturday morning there in harrisonburg that will be a big deal with a lot of big doings at, at jmu this weekend all right 545 on the sports Center. we got one more segment to go on a monday afternoon we'll do that after the break there'd still be time for you if you want to check in 804-327-0888 sports Auto continues and concludes after the break on 1061 espn the nfl game tonight if you are so inclined broncos and bills this evening from buffalo and then there's a long list of college basketball action uh, old dominion maybe with one of the bigger tests of the night the monarchs are at arkansas the razorbacks off to a 2-0 start um at home and they're about 15 point favorites in that game against ODU. I'll tell you I will peek in a little bit on ESPN Plus tonight at the Villanova Penn game, part of that big 5 round robin classic that they have devised in Philly with the big 5 schools plus Drexel make it the uh the six pack I guess rather than the big 5. And I'll be peeking in on the former Spider um Tyler Burton who is actually off to a really nice start with Villanova they really like what they have gotten out of him uh obviously spent the four years uh with the Spiders 
and then uh, decided to take his final year of eligibility at Villanova, and he's gotten off to a really good start. And the Wildcats are 2-0, and and they are actually nationally ranked um, this week as well. Burton's averaging 10 rebounds per game for Villanova. He doesn't have to be the man uh, scoring the ball. He's still doing okay there, about 12, 12 12.5 points a game, but 10 rebounds per contest for Tyler Burton. So uh, we're going to check in on that game a little bit tonight. The Villanova Penn game at the Palestra gets an opportunity to play in um, one of the cathedrals of college basketball. I'm a Philly guy, so I would do that. And I'm not going to go as far as to say the cathedral, although I think it is. There are certainly some others, Fog Allen Fieldhouse, Madison Square Garden, which, by the way, um, has Rick Pitino and St. John's uh, playing tonight as well. So there are there are some really interesting games in college hoops. Not a bad night for this early in the season. Um, they got Michigan at uh, – that's that Gavit tip-off games tonight – at the Garden, 6.30 is the Michigan-St. John's game. Get to see Rick Pitino. And that will be um, Phil Martelli coaching for Michigan. Uh, Jawan Howard's still out. He had that heart condition that was very similar to what Chris Mooney went through for the Richmond Spiders. So Phil Martelli is still coaching uh, Michigan until Jawan Howard gets back. So uh, probably watch a little bit of that this evening, Michigan and St. John's tonight. Um Let's see what else we got on the docket. See if any of our other state schools are in action. VMI is at South Carolina. Uh, that's uh, probably going to be a little tough one there. And the Gamecocks, let's see, are 22 and a half point favorites in that one against the VMI Keydets. So pretty good list of college basketball. So if you don't want to watch the NFL game or you want to flip back and forth, you got some college hoops tonight in addition to the Bills and the Broncos as the Monday night football game this evening. And then, as I said, a decent list of um, of college basketball action tonight. I guess I should mention a little bit of uh, NBA, shouldn't I? Especially because the Sixers, two points on the NBA. This would be a great way to finish up uh, tonight. You know, Philly has gotten off, you know, to an outstanding start. Won again yesterday, beat the Pacers. Tyrese Maxey had 50 uh, for Philadelphia last night, they have gotten off to an eight and one start. I actually saw a tweet because, uh, of course, I follow all that stuff uh, that compared the Sixers and the Eagles because they are both eight and one at the moment. The Sixers off to an eight and one start in the NBA, and the Eagles are eight and one coming off of their bye week in the NFL. So good for the Sixers. That was addition by subtraction. Getting rid of James Harden, best thing they possibly could have done. Much more cohesive of a unit. Nick Nurse doing a good job of, of coaching that team and feel good at 8-1 and one is Philadelphia. Then what I really feel good about is the way Jacob Gilliard is playing for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, I know they're not a good team, 2-8, uh, and eight, but they beat the Clippers last night um Harden still hasn't won a game for the Clips since he got there uh Gilliard was all over him I think he stole the ball at least once maybe twice from James Harden and Jacob Gilliard has got that two-way contract in the NBA and right now he's starting and he's playing significant minutes I mean it's just a phenomenal story we'll dial him up and get him on at some point here uh, to talk with us but Jacob yesterday played 24 minutes uh, six points, so he's not being counted on to do a lot of scoring. But he also had five rebounds, three assists, three steals, and no turnovers. 
all of his shots came from three-point range. I mean, when you're 5'8 or 9 and playing in the NBA, you're probably not diving inside the three-point line uh, too much. But if anybody could do it, he certainly can and can obviously find the open man. But he was two for six from three-point range and did help Memphis to that win um, at L.A., yesterday the Grizzlies just two and eight but Jacob's getting his playing time and man is he taking advantage of it Uh, the commentators have been talking so nice about him Uh, their coach had some really good things to say about the way he plays the game and why he's in the starting lineup but who knows when Jai Morant comes back I'll tell you the way Gilliard's playing right now they're going to make it tough uh, to send him to their G League team, but obviously that's a possibility. But they still got a ways to go on that, right? Because Morant was a 25-game suspension. So they still got 15 games to go before they have to make any kind of decision with their roster. So go Jacob Gilliard. I know Spider fans around here are really excited about what he's doing with the Grizzlies in the NBA. And as we said, right now, in their starting lineup and was in the lineup yesterday when they knocked off the Clippers, 105-101. I just want to look real quick. What did Harden actually do? He had 11 points, four rebounds in that game. Now, they only charged him with one turnover, so I guess Gilly probably only stole the ball from him once if he only had the one turnover. Maybe they missed one there. And Harden was four for 12 and one for seven from three-point range. He's not exactly embracing himself yet with the Clippers, who are off to a terrible start, by the way at three and six uh we're just about out of time for today but i imagine bruce will be for richmond spiders athletics all year round w291 cl lakeside richmond wurv hd2 richmond we are 1061 espn